All right, Sam, you got your skincare routine ready? Oh, I'm I'm so exfoliated. Every step, we need all the lotions, all the moisturizers, under eye cream. We gotta look pretty for this one, okay? Uh-huh, why's that? Because this week we're covering American Psycho 2, Christian Bale's back, baby. Bale's back. It's, How are we going to do this one without killing Jared Leto? Our signature bit that we've tried to step away from, and we're doing American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I think we'll need to call in some help after this theme song. Podcast. Podcast. Two. Welcome to Podcast 2, the sequel. This is a podcast about sequels, about what makes them work, about what makes them not work. Um, But we're not just talking about like how this, like what happens in a sequel. We're not just like looking at it from a film criticism perspective. We are Hollywood's top ghostwriters. We may or may not be disgraced right now because of certain comments we made to certain high profile CEOs. We are still in this game. Misconstrued. We got, sorry, keep going. My name's Max. I'm a producer and ghostwriter, um, and I am here with my lovely, good friend, Sam. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam Gorman, uh, one, of, one of Hollywood's bottom directors and top ghostwriters, and uh, we're here to write some sequels, or one, just one today. Anyway, to help us write this sequel today, we've got my good friend, Eva Lucy Al- Alvarado, do I, do I say? Do you want your last name in this? Is that okay? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, cool. Uh, if you get doxxed, not my problem. Uh, for anybody doing any doxing, you got to go through me first. Don't <laughs> take long. Um, and uh, yeah, Eva Lucy, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Eva Lucy is one of our premier experts we could get on the topic of American Psycho because she here has read the book. Is that correct? Um. I so I've only read like half of the book um at oh. the time that I was reading it I was working at a very posh law firm in Midtown and it just was okay. like getting a little too close to home so um when I got to the dog in blender chapter I just um I had to tap out like for my own sanity um how many times do you think you've seen how many times do you think you've seen American Psycho probably like five or six times not as many that's times expert as- territory what was yeah. the what was your best experience watching american psycho um i think what one time i watched it when i was sick um and i wanted something to cheer me up and i was just hooting and hollering the whole time <laughs> um but i think like objectively the best time i watched it was when i saw it at the paris theater uh when mary Heron did a q a afterwards um because like watching American Psycho with a ton of people like in a theater setting is actually really crazy. Um, a lot of the seriousness of the movie just like falls away. Everyone was just like losing their shit at like everything, except for like when he kills the homeless man. One person laughed, and then everyone like turned to look at them to like scold them, which I thought was really funny. Um, everyone was like really on the same wavelength. <laughs> okay, but also, I I will say so. First off, this movie is really funny. And it wasn't respected as such upon release, as I understand. Yeah. Right? It was not yeah. taken seriously as a comedy. 
It was so, very hard for her to make it in the first place because people didn't like that it was going to have a comedic tone. Like, they didn't get it. Like, they wanted it to be more, like, played more straight and have, like, Leonardo DiCaprio play um, uh, Patrick Bateman. That's too um, real. He's too similar to the character. She refused. She was like, I'm doing Christian Bale. They actually hired Leonardo DiCaprio and kicked her off the project. And she was like, I'm still going to make this movie. And I'm still going to have Christian Bale because he's the only motherfucker who gets me. And so eventually, like, because it was such a, like, a touchy project, it made its way back to her and she was able to do it the way she wanted to. Yeah, I think yeah. they were going to do Oliver Stone as the director at that <laughs> time, who is, like, yeah. the guy sucked. that did JFK. Yeah, it would have been so much less funny. Um, before we dive it's too so deep funny. into discussing American Psycho 1, just for audience members listening to the show that have not seen American Psycho, I would definitely suggest you check it out. Um, but a quick summation... The film follows Christian Bale playing Patrick Bateman. He works at like a top, I don't even think the company's necessarily clear where he works. He's like an executive at a company where he is a part of the mergers and acquisitions department. He is like a top level suit. His dad, I believe, owns the company. And um, we basically follow him over the course of this movie as it's slowly revealed that he is a serial killer um, that kills various people, especially like, downtrodden people in society um throughout the movie and then i'd say in the back half the arc starts to become realizing like that it's not just like oh this evil man um that's committing these crimes and the juxtaposition of like how high status his life is it's like also he's having a mental break and probably has some sort of sociopathic personality disorder um which is where there's been interesting talk of people being like I mean, there's like a whole thing of people being like, oh, when he gives the monologue where he confesses what he did to the lawyer, because at the end of the movie, he confesses everything to this lawyer. And part of the joke is it's almost like not taken seriously is um, people talk about like that they feel empathy for him in that moment. I didn't necessarily, but I read about this, that like a lot of people are like, oh, you kind of feel bad for him in that scene. But who I'll what? use that as Why? a watching off point for you guys. I don't what do you feel I bad, bad for him. For him in other scenes but not necessarily that one i think that one it's it's hard for me to feel bad for him in that scene because it's such a clear critique of like what like white guys who are wealthy like can get away with it's such a yeah. like um sort of critique of like the vapidness of the bourgeoisie and how class will always um like people will always kind of protect each other uh within a given class and um you know the maybe the class solidarity of the bourgeoisie is like much stronger than like working class solidarity is and so it's like really sad from that yeah, perspective yeah. um but yeah like he can kind of he can get away with anything and also like people pity him and that's why he can get away with everything like people pity him throughout the movie like he's kind of a pathetic character like they're always saying backhandedly like oh patrick bateman like he couldn't even kill people because he's such a fucking loser so it's like this sort of weird moment of pitifulness but which yeah. which is funny because he's not necessarily i wouldn't say he's portrayed as a particularly uh pathetic character he's like he's portrayed he as like a free well he doesn't think but i don't even know that the film thinks of him as particularly more pathetic than like the other people like people talk about him the exact way he talks about everyone else and like 
The only one, the only like of the suits in the movie, which is like most of the cast, the only one who really stands out is the uh, the guy dating, the guy married to the woman that he's sleeping with, who's yeah. like the what's his name, like the biggest dipshit in in Wall Street, and he's like. Yeah. He's that guy. Whoever that is, that a, is that a name? Is that an actor? It's the guy uh, from the Leftovers. What's his name? Yeah. Oh, that's Arquette. Justin Theroux. That's Justin oh, Theroux. No. Yeah. He's that. I didn't realize that was Justin Theroux. He's so funny. He's yeah. just like got this little dopey face the whole time. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's what, very hard to tell like what people really think of Patrick because they had. I mean, in the book as well, like in the the book they're always saying like oh patrick like he's just the boy next door like he's so cute like they're all people are always telling him that he's very attractive and it's sort of the implication is that people keep him around because he's so attractive but he's like really a miserable bore to be around and kind of like a weakling and like doesn't isn't very smart like doesn't do anything at work um has a hot girlfriend but like doesn't really seem to be all that invested in the relationship and like all of these different like just like weird little off things about him that he also says like when he starts talking about serial killers and stuff and when he goes on his like weird little social justice warrior rants like he definitely makes like people are like you're fucking weird dude but you're so attractive that you could be on the cover of gq and so we keep you around wow um, well i'm one of my favorite comedic parts of the movie is and it's not they don't like put a button on this but it's the way in which you see that he his job involves doing nothing all yeah. day that and that like all of these guys which i think is such a good critique of this kind of got white guy job um capitalism where it's like it's really their job to like look successful and to go okay. to dinner at nice places and to boss people around but like they actually provide very little to the social fabric of the world and like one of i think this film fits in the pantheon of like great works of art by women criticize not criticizing but like kind of doing dark comedy about like masculinity like i feel like she fits in the same breath as catherine bigelow in this way of like understanding masculinity from an outsider's perspective in a really funny way i mean like to me the funniest scene in the movie is when they're all comparing their business cards and getting like oh so God. pissed at each other and all of the cards look exactly the same, and they all spell the word acquisitions wrong. Like, <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah every card is misspelled. <laughs> the thing that's especially funny about that scene is like how close in it is, and how yeah. like kind of static the camera is. Apparently, they fucked it up. Uh, the DP like fucked something up with the camera, and so like they could, they only had that footage, but it makes it like that much funnier, which I think is like it also shows like that she has like a really strong sense of comedy like in every step of the process like she's a I it was really interesting to to hear Mary Heron talk about like how she directs because she seems extremely technically proficient and like she has mm -hmm. like a really really strong idea of what she wants and how to delegate that and so like even when these sort of like mistakes happen like they fuck up you know the shot in the in the business card scene it still comes out like with the tone that she wanted it to um yeah the, what else has she done what did she do before like how did she get this she job just, she made i shot andy warhol and she also just came out with like i think a salvador dali movie i True. actually haven't seen the rest of her stuff um but her 
perspective on American Psycho was that it was like very funny and like she didn't want to like like usurp like Brett Easton Ellis or anything like that but um Brett Easton Ellis even himself said that he feels like she saw something in the book that he hadn't even quite like realized and she like sharpened that like she kind of like channeled the broader vibe of the book and then like adapted it like really well into like this really incisive satire that the book was like getting at but it the book is like a little bit of a different different vibe it's a little bit more you're like more in patrick's head in the book so it's less satirical oh i mean this is one of those like sad hollywood stories especially from this era where things were somehow even worse where she pushed this boulder up a hill for five years to get this movie made and it didn't light the world on fire when it first came out it would become a cult classic it's kind of one of the last like blockbuster video successes um Mm -hmm. but because it failed in theaters they put her immediately in director jail kind of still like she hasn't even gotten that like netflix deal that a lot of like directors of cult classics get um yeah which i think is an interesting parallel to literally a year before this fight club comes out similar budget similarly Mm -hmm. underperforms and david fincher Mm -hmm. is directing movies for netflix right now to this day he got that whole filmography like in a justified world we'd have fucked up even worse than mary heron ever did because he made alien three yeah that was his first movie and they let him make like seven after so <laughs> uh i yeah. low-key like alien three but still in terms I of mean, an overall failure like in yeah. terms of making money um right. he's uh yeah he, the, and this was actually more financially successful and less of a bomb than fight club was i think um i think she was ahead of her time with this yeah. movie and clearly the pair the like roadmap of casting christian bale which she fought so hard for which like this was the movie that cements him as a movie star and it's so funny and crazy that this movie leads to um sorry my phone was going off that this movie leads to batman for sure him playing patrick yeah. patrick bateman is how he gets bruce wayne in the long run because this That's is thousand. like the perfect test of like i could be a psycho in a suit yeah yeah i feel like in a suit i think like when you look at like big hollywood casting like or like even like fan casting online when people are like who should play the new superman or who should play batman set there it's always like well who would have we seen in a suit before and things like that yeah. I, I, casting so stupid but he's great he's a good batman he's a good batman but it is funny yeah. um wow what a picture uh max what did you think you had never seen this before right Never saw this movie. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I think Fight Club's an interesting movie to bring up because I followed a pretty classic trajectory of getting into loving movies from a young age. I promise this has a destination related to American Psycho. Just give me a second. Which was like, I was the eighth grader that saw Pulp Fiction and was like, oh my God, movies can be that. What? And like, by the time I'm in high school, I'm seeing Fight Club and Donnie Darko, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is great. And right but right around that time, I started to read enough online about, like, actually, those aren't good, good movies. You need to check out these movies. So, like, I literally remember I had American Psycho in, like, my lineup of movies I was going to watch when I was, like, 15, 
And I like took it out because everyone was like, oh, that movie's overrated. That's like a fight club movie. That's like a like, that's like a film bro movie. And I just literally discarded it until this week because I always was like, <laughs> ah, you know, like what's, is that really worth checking out? Cause that's in some ways still it's reputation a little bit is like, it's a film bro movie because much like Wolf of Wall Street or Fight Club, I feel like it's the people it's criticizing have at times embraced it because they don't understand that it's making fun of them because it's too, uh, but I actually think this does it the most effectively. Um, it's yeah. like, yeah, the way it makes fun of cool about him. I yeah, was like but... a primary, primarily Fight Club person for the most time as well. Like I've seen Fight Club like probably like 20 times. I've seen like all of the commentaries. I've seen like the director's cut. Um, and part of like, so like, I, I think, uh, Fight Club and American Psycho, uh, are like in a league of their own. Like, yes, they are film bro movies, but they're also simultaneously extremely similar because like, you know, both movies came out around the same time. They're both written by like closet, semi-closeted gay authors. Um, and they both portray a type of masculinity and attractiveness that is actually like far more amenable to like women's tastes than like i would say like wolf of wall street does which to me is like a total bro movie like it's a good movie but like leonardo dicaprio doesn't have that sort of like twinkishness that uh brad pitt and christian bale have um and the fact that they are such like they were such cult classics and now you know 20 years later they are like some of the most well-known movies is like i i think is like really also like very much on the part of women being part of that like like cult vibe um in a way that maybe other like film bro movies aren't so i'm always like frothing at the mouth to uh kind of push back on the film the, their their um their like status as like a film bro movie just because there are so many people who like misunderstand them because i think that like those people are obviously like the loudest and it's like fun to point and laugh at them because they're stupid but it's also like i don't even think that they're the majority of people for those movies that that are like really like ride or die for them um I would definitely yeah. say to watch American Fight Club, I kind of get, and maybe that's just because I saw that when I was like 13 versus American Psycho, which I saw when I was like 20 or something. But like to, I would say more than Fight Club, like I don't see how you can with a sane mind watch American Psycho and be like, oh yeah, that guy's great. I want to be like him. Like everything about the movie besides him like getting away with it at the end is kind of being like, this sucks. Like, it would suck to be this guy. Like, this guy's insane. This guy's deep down a huge loser. And, uh, but I guess that tracks with, I mean, yeah, it's it's these weird little men's rights activists, I guess. Well, I think a lot of the people who like it are teenage boys who are trying to square away the fact that, like, masculinity is a very uncomfortable burden. And Tell me about see, it. And, like, they have no idea that, like, how fucking shitty it is to have a shitty office job so they look at all this stuff that like we as like full adults are like oh yeah that fucking sucks and they're like yo i hope that that's what my life is like because they don't have any perspective 
Well, um, I don't even mean like the like his job sounds great. That's my dream job. Uh, well, I mean more just no, like his I mean, in, his, his life, internal like, monologue. Hot girlfriend and like being able to afford nice shit and like being. I also like that. I don't think that stuff sucks. Like, I I do want that. I want all of that. I just don't. I think that he's a loser internally, and I think that like I get how that stuff resonates because yeah, you look at that and you're like, oh, he's like fit and uh like gets laid and is rich, and I'm like, yeah, those are. Yeah, of course. Everybody wants that, basically. And he but... has the he has what Internal monologue of a teenage boy. So they're just like, yeah, that rocks. Right. Like... I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I think go. that's yeah. what's attractive about it to people that don't get it. Quote unquote is like that his monologue and his behavior in a certain way is emblematic of like an incel boy, but he's quote unquote winning life and. Right. Um, I think, like, if I'd seen this when I was 14 and knew less about life and the world, I probably, like, I certainly would not have been so psycho that, like, I'd see the scenes where he's killing a homeless person and be like, oh, that's sick. Um, I probably would have been more indifferent to it than I am now because I was desensitized at the time to, like, that just happens in movies. But I do think scenes like Chloe Savigny, the uh, woman that plays the receptionist, like, being just so taken by the idea of him asking her to dinner. I think at 14, I would have been like, oh, that's awesome. If, if I just play my cards right, someday someone will want to date me. But now I watch that scene and I'm like, oh no, get out of there. I, you're like the only person in this movie I like. Um, well, that, like that. that's the thing is that she's yeah. like the only likable person in the whole movie. And that's actually, I was trying to think of earlier when you said that there's like scenes where people feel sorry for Patrick. I actually feel really bad for him in that scene yeah. because it's like he's just getting like a modicum of somebody treating him like a real person and like being interested in him as a person and like wanting to know more about him and not just having these like very surface level like transactional conversations about like status and stuff and he's like you can see that he's fighting with himself and that he doesn't really want to kill her he just knows he has the opportunity and like it's so like natural to him that like that's like what he's about to do and then he's like shit like that's not actually how i feel right now and it's like obviously from a zoomed out level like that's still crazy and he's still a horrible person but within the context of like the narrative and the things that patrick is exposed to like that's that one brief moment of humanity so like yeah i think it's like a really powerful moment it seems really good yeah i mean sam what else like I don't know. What's was there anything in this not working for you guys? Um, especially like with a recent view. Like to me, this I, was for me. It's just it's just banger after banger. It's yeah. I mean, it's I get I get why it wasn't uh, a huge success because it is certainly uh, deliberate, clearly deliberately, but it is a little tonally confusing. It's not like a movie mm -hmm. that doesn't know. It's not tonally confused. Like it knows what it's doing in every scene. But it's definitely full of, like, scene to scene, like, it will have you, like, crack up at, like, insane stuff. But in a way that's, like, a little, like, not everyone's going to laugh at a lot of these jokes. I think this yeah. movie would have actually performed better if it came out in the last five years than if it oh, came out definitely. in 2000. Because I think, I like... I would discourse on that. Oh, my God. That would be good. Gosh, can you imagine just, if like, we had real movies coming out now? This, like I don't know if you guys like Saltburn or not. Personally, I think Saltburn's a perfect movie. Like I love it. Um, that but... is a twist, Eva Lucy. You <laughs> think Saltburn's I... a perfect movie? 
Yeah, I. Aren't I, you a Marxist? Yeah, and I think it has some of the best Marxist analysis Marxist analysis of class that I've seen. It's it's definitely the best like r- fuck rich people movie uh, that's come out. Like it's better than Parasite, and I'm writing an article about why. But it's made by um, a rich person. Yeah, she has insight. Yeah, I want to hear your defense of why it's better than Parasite because I I could. Uh, that's I a just, bold I take mean, to me. That's a I think, I, insane I think structurally, take. they both have the same issue, which is that the end goes on too long and explains itself too much. Um, but uh, in terms of Parasite, I think it has a much more uh, anti-revolutionary uh, point, which is that like you're kind of always stuck in the cycle of poverty forever. Like the lumpen proletariat can't do anything about their position. It's just sort of like this like metaphysical, eternal, you know, time is a flat circle type of vibe. Um, and sure, it, it gives us some really good insight into like the indignities of being like in the working class or lumpen proletariat, but I, I don't think that it really is, um, I don't, I don't think that it like provokes, uh, people to like move forward. And I think it just kind of makes you feel like self-satisfied. Whereas Saltburn is like a very provocative movie in that it takes the viewer who is more than likely petty bourgeois and says you don't want to eat the rich you want to sit at the table with them and here's what you would do if you were given the chance and it from the perspective of like critiquing people's uh impulses towards like class solidarity i think that's like a really good like kind of scary story and i think that uh people really really didn't like the that being told to them that you know they would fold um and that the uh, petty bourgeoisie, you know, does want to align with the with the aristocracy or the bourgeoisie, and that being in a different class position like literally changes how you think and how you relate to other people. So like, and, and I think Saltburn has some like really really clear, well constructed um, moments throughout that show how wealth impacts each relationship between the characters and how um oliver is able to like figure that out and start manipulating it um yeah i mean i can see why people didn't like it but i think it's because it makes people uncomfortable in a very necessary way and she understands it aristocratic person doesn't mean that like i agree with like her as a person but i i think she's showing something like really real and really legitimate in a way that made people very very uncomfortable i don't even know if emerald finnell is like aware of like how incisive she was being there but i think it's a very well constructed movie with like really good like symbols and shit as well yeah i'd agree with your i mean we should have had you on our last episode saltburn 2 we did saltburn (laughs) oh no saltburn 2 the throat ghost uh but uh which if you're listening this now go check out our previous episode um i I, we should go back to american psycho but i'll say i no 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 this is good uh Look, this isn't one of those podcasts where we just talk about one movie for one episode. You think we just um, plug in a destination on Google Maps and are like, just follow the road? We like the side roads. You know? <laughs> this is we great. love to get lost. Uh, no, I, well, I, I agree with what you're saying because it is a very apt thing. But to me, the film, and I'd have to to say speak with any confidence on what Emerald Fennell's uh, perspective on this is. I would have to read more interviews with her. But to me, the film was sort of saying that. I mean, to me, I wouldn't say the film was very pointed in its critique, and I would say it was more genre, you know, taking up sort of tropes to be like, yeah, and then he kills them all and he takes over, and it's like, 
and it doesn't feel to me like it's it feeling like uh like well you would too it feels like it's more like a I don't know I mean so you're the, right what the reason why I think it does like very clearly articulate like how class is altering Oliver as a person besides the fact that there's like this twist right which is that he isn't working class you know Oliver's twist um uh Oliver's twist um but like there's like this slow ratcheting up and I've seen the movie twice because I like I was like does this movie have a good structure or not like let's like write it down and um there's like this slow ratcheting up of Oliver realizing that his entire livelihood depends not just on Felix but on like Saltburn the place and like the title and the land and like the property and um especially when he finds out that uh Carrie Mulligan's character has like killed herself he like realizes that like it's life and death. Like, it, the movie's called Saltburn. It's not called Felix, right? Like, the house, like, it's kind of in the vein of, like, gothic horror. Like, the house kind of has, like, um, a power of its own. And um, so, like, there's all these moments where he realizes that, like, at least to him, he feels like he will die without Saltburn. And so that's why he has to, like, kill everyone and take it over. And it's, like... You know, by the time he gets to his birthday party and, you know, no one knows him or cares about him, not even Felix, he's just like, well, I got to go fucking scorched earth. So, yeah. Um, Where, you said you're writing a you're writing about this. Yeah. Robert and I are writing an article about why we think Saltburn has good class analysis or where, lessons that can be drawn from it, at least. Do you want to plug where we could read that? Substack, Goblin Influencer substack <laughs> dot com. yes <laughs> goblin influencer dot substack.com will plug it again at the end uh yeah well back I mean, to American i feel like Psycho. we could talk well, about Max. this for the whole yeah i feel like we could talk about this for the whole episode i uh you you can hear our opinions on the saltburn 2 episode i really like uh a different opinion from eva lucy i think we were just to put a button on it i think in a lot of ways we were on a similar track as you though in terms of like finding it really I don't believe the Twitter narrative on that movie with of like being like, oh, well, it's all about it's showing a poor person as the villain. Because like what's interesting about the Barry Keegan character is that he's upper class when you actually yeah. go to his house and that like yeah. his desire for Saltburn is very true to real life, which is kind of like that a lot of the people that are saying eat the rich, as you're saying, are petty bourgeois, kind of like us uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways because we live in America. Like, The Menu is a movie that exists solely to justify the useless resentment of the petty bourgeoisie. And I think Saltburn just twists the knife on that and just, like, a... makes shit for being like that. And, yeah, so. I have a theory that The Menu exists solely to boost sales for Shutterstock. Uh, because... <laughs> the movie opens well, with we... stock footage. Yeah, the opening shot of the movie is like something they downloaded from Shutterstock.com. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> but also, I never saw the whole movie because it looked boring uh, and people said it sucked. But uh, Make me a cheeseburger. The trailers, the trailers sure did look like stock footage. Uh, anyway. Oh, huh? For Saltburn? No, for the other, no, the, no. the menu. The menu. The menu. Oh, the menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The menu. Yeah. Uh, Saltburn didn't use any stock footage as far as I know. Okay. Uh, well, How returning to this, if three? this movie oh, yeah. came out nowadays, uh, returning to that tangent, I think um, 
I think the- I'm sorry, the reason I brought this up was because it is also a female director. Yeah. And I think people are really hard on female directors. So, like, yes. that's why I'm wondering, Agreed. like, American Psycho came out today. Like, I don't, like, I don't even know what the shit show would look like. Well, it's kind of what brought us to this episode because we were talking and we were like, because we've done, I mean, there are just less major films done by female directors as, you know, a result of obviously Hollywood and broader systems. But we were like, oh, we haven't, we're kind of, because we did Barbie and we did Saltburn and we were kind of like, yeah, you know, we respect these filmmakers, but we should do one where we're, we really like the movie. So I picked American Psycho. Good. <laughs> yeah, let's like let's give some women some compliments, and then Max didn't like American Psycho, so there you go. I liked American um, Psycho. What are you talking about? Oh, I thought you didn't like it for some reason. Oh, I, I thought you it. said that off the um, show, off my. I will say, to finish off Saltburn, is. Saltburn is much better than Barbie. I yeah. I stand by Saltburn's a better movie than Barbie. Um, it is, but it is. I don't want to get but further would you into say Barbie discourse. If, we would were you say we the were same thrown off the Saltburn... mountain for. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. What's up? Would you say Saltburn was a better movie than Barbie if Saltburn had a five-minute uh, car commercial for the Kia Vortex uh, VE in the middle of it? Because that would bring things closer together, personally. I would have liked Saltburn better if there was a CEO character who, at the beginning of the movie, was I- introduced as representing the patriarchy. He is the epitome of evil, and by the end, he no longer is because... Of reason, and and it's also still played by Will Ferrell, <laughs> still doing the Lego Movie exact same characterizations. I, uh, I mean, but I want to keep it on American Psycho. <laughs> wait, say wait. What was your bit? You One last he... thing. I thought I I I thought he was like George Bush, and that he was like rehabilitated. I mean, not only did he act like George Bush in that movie, but he was also like rehabilitated for no reason, like. George, like, now it's, like, we've had Trump, so, like, now people are like, oh, George Bush was so cute, now watch this drive, and it's like, what the fuck, like, what happened? Yeah, now watch this drive, I was like, watch this drive, oh, yeah, what he goes, now watch this drive. <laughs> but that's the thing with Bush and Trump, is both horrible people, and I will go to bat in saying that Bush did worse things for this country, uh, by a long shot, uh, someone will get mad about that, uh, but, uh, both very and funny up George guys. Bush brings us back to American Psycho, which came out during Bush era America, but pre 9 11 America. It was like right after his inauguration. spot. Huh? Wow. He, it came out he, in 2000. He, he, this is right after. Or he. it might have been campaign trail times. Basically, why this is yeah. relevant to me in terms of history and why I don't think, why I think this was ahead of its time and why I think the culture still would be ready, more ready for it now than before is because the idea of like eat the rich, the idea of like Marxism, socialism, communism, all of that was way more like underground, way less popular. And I think the idea of making fun of the people in power and business, especially when capitalism was fucking booming at that time, um, was radical, was way more radical than it is now. Um, I think that's, part of what's fucking so cool about this movie is it's not, it's more interesting as a takedown of capitalism than some of the modern stuff where like, it's almost more imperative that we dismantle this. I mean, it was always imperative, but like it's affecting a wider swath of people now, especially people like us, like petty bourgeois you're saying. Um, But I think American psycho is so cool because it's dismantling the idea of what America viewed as important, like at a time where no one else was doing that. 
it's 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 the ultimate clowning or in terms of clown theory this would actually be called buffon i think which is like instead of like clowns performed for the king and like were they made the poor the joke buffon was like making fun of the king and they were considered like the coolest clowns way back in the day <laughs> as a side oh look Eva Lucy comes on and drops some Marxism, so then Max has to bring in the only theory he knows, just <laughs> French <true>. clown theory. <laughs> I was like in it's the like... Marxism Wikipedia page, and I was like, a lot of words. Let's Google clown <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Command F clown. <laughs> clown Wikipedia. More my, more my speed. Uh, uh, in Max, terms of clown say... stuff. Yeah, in terms sorry, of clown stuff, would you say it's easier or harder for a woman to be a clown? What do you guys think? I think it's easier. It's easier? I think well, there's an amazing episode of Hulu's Hillary Clinton show where the first episode Oh, is that F- where it's from? That's what this, I was doing. Is that what it's from? They put that on TV? She interviews, she interviews in her first episode of that show the leader of Buffon clownery. Um, I didn't learn about it from this. You haven't this, seen this? But You're I, so on Twitter. <laughs> there's this clip, Eva Lucy, of her interviewing. This guy is like the guy. He, uh, and like, he's a hundred he years old. He, my favorite detail about him is when you study with him, he only accepts twenty clowns a year. You get up on stage, <laughs> you get up on stage, and you have to start performing. And if he thinks you're not funny, he has a drum that he hits, and you have to get off stage. And he goes, "Not funny." Uh, <laughs> there's this clip of Hillary Clinton. They're trying to do this show about like. Oh, like sh- now that she's not president, good news. She gets to learn about things she's always wanted to learn about. And she's like, you know, people really like to laugh at me. So I'm going to study clowning. And it is a scene where she sits down with this French man and he's like talking about clowning, but he's like, without, imagine watching it without subtitles. He's like, <laughs> like he's so French, you can't understand anything he says. You just see her sitting there like, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, she wow. she and Chelsea Clinton keep they keep cutting back to close of them and they go like mm. and he they ask him like do you think do you think clowning is uh is harder for a woman? And he goes, Well, it's not so simple. You see, if you're a boy clown and you go home to your papa, ah, uh, he still loves you. But if you're a girl clown and you go home to your mother, uh he's more complicated. And Sam only knows what he's saying because there were subtitles for him. You have to imagine they heard like, oh, clown. like there's nothing. And they keep going. Mm. This is so I, surreal. I kind of half don't believe that this happened. And you're I can't like, believe you haven't okay. seen this. I see this on Twitter once a week. I tried to show it to my mom the other day because I thought she would think it was funny. And oh my she, god, my mom would be so upset. My mom was like, I don't understand what he's saying, and I was like, I know. <laughs> Uh, well, to turn okay. it back to American Psycho and finish with a clown, <laughs> there's a piece of info I wanted to drop to you guys, which I think is pretty funny Some and relevant. Clown Wikipedia intel you got there? So, you know, you know, in the beginning scene, you know, when he sits at the table with his boys, it's Christian Bale and his best friend is, uh, what's his name? Who's the guy? You knew his name. Justin Theroux. Oh, Justin Theroux. Um, and then, you know how there's like a third guy, the guy with a thin lip, kind of, like he's... Uh, there's mm-hmm. a third guy. His name, that yeah. actor is named Bill Sage. The first movie, my career in film started with me as an editor. The first feature film I ever edited starred Bill Sage, um, the actor from this movie. 
And um, during the end of my time editing this movie, I had kind of, I was, let's, to keep it simple and to protect myself a little bit, me and that movie weren't seeing eye to eye as much anymore. But I had a contract <laughs> that said that I had to stay on the movie through the end of July. And I was starting another movie in August. So they basically asked me to stop editing the movie because they were no longer interested in my involvement in that way. But they still had me on payroll. So they were like, hey, could you go shoot the behind the scenes interviews for like the DVD that could come out someday? And so I was set. The only one of these they ever got together was me and my assistant editor, Aiden, the uh, the a guest on the Elvis, show. Elvis 2 screenwriter. Elvis 2 guest. Um, we were sent to Bill's house to interview him. And while we were there, he was like, you guys ever see American Psycho? And we were like, <laughs> No. He's like, ah, oh, I would have thought that's, the, I would have thought that's the movie you would have seen. And he was oh like, and he told me this story about being on set for American Psycho. He was like, Christian Bale's incredible. He's like, we would do the scene with business cards. And every take on cue, when he needed to get nervous, he could make himself start sweating. <laughs> and then he said, every take that they did of that scene on cue. Christian Bale would just start flop sweating. And then the funny part of, maybe I shouldn't share this on the show, whatever, we don't have enough listeners for this to matter. He was like, he was like, and every day when, I, when I'm feeling down on myself as an actor, I'll start trying to see if I can start flop sweating on cue. And so during <laughs> our behind the scenes interview of this guy, we just watched him like being like, <gasps> like looking like he's going to take a shit <laughs> trying to force sweat. He's like, do you see it? I think I got some. <laughs> so... I forgot about all of this until I'm watching the movie and this scene starts and I was dying. <laughs> oh my God. So that's, uh, that's my personal uh, insight into the American Psycho world. I once spent some time with like what, like the sixth or seventh or eighth most famous person in the movie. So. You'll see. Well, on also, speaking of them all like hanging out, um, the Yale Club scene is one of my my favorite scenes, um, and I'm actually a member of the Yale Club. It doesn't look like that, um, the way they made it look in the movie. <laughs> um, I think it's looked the same since forever, which is like very like Tudor style, like medieval shit. Remind the audience, what's the Yale Club scene? So the Yale Club scene is like when they're all hanging out at this, like very like, it's like like a lounge that they're hanging out in and it's where Patrick has his like gay panic scene in the bathroom where right. the guy comes to the club. Um, <laughs> when he's going so to check I have him. Also, I have also cried in the bathroom at the Yale club. Um, wow. Due to my job. <laughs> but um, <laughs> uh, I just like, I don't know. I'm just like obsessed. Like I'm obsessed with the vibe of American Psycho. And so I joined the, like, they're going to kick me out if I, if I say that I only joined for that reason. I joined because I'm allowed to join because of where I went to school. But um... <laughs> now they're like, okay, she's chill. It's fine. <laughs> you know, but it's... It, it is really funny to go in there and like ex willfully expose myself to like the current Patrick Batemans of the world, like in the gyms and stuff. And uh, this is getting to what I actually want to talk about with American Psycho which is 
the fact that like there's a there's a specific type of like very successful man that treats like any woman in his vicinity like a threat like i'm trying to like i don't know like be a gold digger or like hit on them or something like the 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 vibe at the gym at the heel club gym is so bad it's like all of these guys in lacrosse t-shirts being like don't fucking talk to me and me being like i don't want to <laughs> like um and like the reason i like to go is because there's a ton of older women that are members of the l club and like i like that mentorship and i like like knowing people of different ages in the city and like they all have like really interesting stories to tell and you're like, kind of trying to salt burn your yeah. way up you're looking for your rosemond pike mm-hmm. exactly and um, look, but you're protected like, you can say whatever you want to about the Yale Club here. This is what I love about the uh, the podcast is like you're so protected by buffers of like people from the Yale Club would have had to make it through five minutes of <laughs> Hillary Clinton talk. Like we try and to yet, build layers <laughs> of protection. And yet I'm here. <laughs> here you are. <laughs> but like there's a specific type of guy. I think that it's also lambasting that like. I sees women as a threat, but also as a prize. And, not, you know, that's, like, not a very exciting thing to say. Like, I think that that's, like, a pretty basic thing to say. But uh, same thing, like, like where I went to school, like, full of Patrick Batemans who are now, like, you know, working at Goldman Sachs and stuff. And their relationship to women is really not so much, like, misogynistic in the sense that they have, like, a ton of preconceived notions about, like, how women behave or what they should do like they all like want to marry someone who like has a degree from a good school and like can hold a job and stuff like you know they they want people with mrs degrees or whatever but um like every woman is a is like somehow just like a threat to them and i think that that is interesting in terms of like how patrick like sees women and, and how he treats them and why he kills them um, I feel like there's, like, a lot of muddiness in terms of, like, when people talk about, like, sexual violence and, and gendered violence where they're, like, men just want to dominate over women. And it's, like, yeah, but, like, you know, there's, like, a lot of different ways that we can, like, talk about that and get into that in um, different directions it can take. Because he's not, like, um, you know, this isn't, doesn't have the same vibe as, like, True Detective, for example, where um, it's got more to do with, like the structures that the you know the powers that be like in a more explicit way um so yeah i don't know if you guys wanted to talk about misogyny no and the particular not, vein of it. Re i don't really have much to say on it never never seen it happen before and uh yeah certainly never participated i mean maybe i was just making it up this whole time that I sounds mean, like something a woman would do uh no we want to talk about it no, that only happens if you're critical or you level an accusation against a president or a, a democratic this, president. Sorry, I just got into an insight. argument with my parents. Um, uh, <laughs> this is good insight. This is good insight into mine and Sam's levels. Our ability to commit to a bit, like I'll say something like even vaguely, like jokingly wrong, and I have about three seconds in me before I'm like, I was just kidding. Absolutely, <laughs> that was not what I meant. <laughs> Sam has way more of a threshold for you know having a comedy podcast than I do. <laughs> well, um, but yeah, let's like comedy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think just because we defined Buffon on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, 
you, Evo Lucy, you went to a prestigious college, which we did not, despite it being fun fact, uh, SUNY Purchase was modeled after the University of Virginia and Thomas Jefferson's plans for the architecture. They wow. made a key difference. Uh, and that Thomas Jefferson wanted to use classic red bricks and have lots of grass and nature. And SUNY Purchase said, we're going to hire only, uh, we're going to hire the prison designers and we're going to oh. use black bricks and have all pavement. Um, for some reason, you're going it's a very not... different direction with this, Sam. <laughs> so what direction did you think I was going in? I thought you were going to say, like, we went to a college, we went to an art school, one of the top art schools, at least in the Northeast, and, like, it well, acts outside like of it's a feminist. The good ones. Yeah. It acts yeah. like it's a feminist, like, more advanced socially type of school, but literally they can't get any of their top alumni to say a single positive thing about this college because the college has such a long history of defending rapists, even during art. Did it Mitski go there? Yeah, yeah like she well, won't talk whole... about the no, school. Because she... <laughs> oh she came back for Culture Shock our senior year, though that was a good ass show. I did. Did Bonnet go right to SUNY? No, for she went to a different SUNY, I believe. Regina Specter. Was... Regina Specter, which used to be fun. Yeah, she was. She was our graduation speaker. She would clap. Hello. For, she'd clap for me when I got my diploma, but we still got ice spice. Uh, my, and, ice uh, spice, really? Yeah, we do have ice spice. Uh, this is a hot girl city. Hot a lot girl of city. hot girl musicians and not a lot of hot boy film podcast hosts. <laughs> 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 percentage of successful film podcasters that came from SUNY purchase zero. Uh, we we had well. I used to say we had the guy from Harold and Kumar, but we had a guy from Harold and Kumar who Wait. died and didn't even go Wait. to the film program. So there, okay. Uh, yeah, anyway, I brought that up to say I have very little, I, I and regrettably, I mean, I used to think it was great. I was like, oh, I don't have to talk to those guys all the time. I just get to talk to poor misogynists. But <laughs> uh, it would probably be good for my job opportunities and financial well-being to have been in bed with more filthy rich trust fund kids who went to elite schools but you know i do think that maybe like a different okay so like if if we can't relate about the uva boys mm -hmm. um, i do think that actually like rv hammer is a really good mm -hmm. example of like a real life patrick bateman type of guy and like the <laughs> the way that his life exploded um i think is um both a good and bad side <laughs> for like how much we've progressed um. yeah i mean can we talk about with with army hammer it's taking us even further off track of writing a sequel oh. but i do have to bring it up because i want to which is that army hammer army hammer's breakout in the social network makes sense to me whatever that guy that plays those twins sure i could see that guy becoming a uh becoming like a character actor but his real like, breakout that's the next is lone ranger but the real breakout for Army Hammer was Call Me By Your Name, which is a movie that I will never understand why it's not talked about more. That this God, movie we get it. where You're straight. a really, a really, well, I'm not straight, <laughs> which is the thing that bothers me about this movie, which is that it's like viewed as like the beacon of queer cinema. In fact, the guys that just call, starred in uh, Pedro Pascal, not Pedro Pascal, fuck, uh, who's the Irish guy that everyone loves? Paul um, Mescal. Paul Mescal. His new movie, All of Us Strangers, they were just asked, like, what's your favorite queer film ever? And they were like, call me by your name. 
And I do not understand how to this day we celebrate this movie about a small, seemingly teenage boy falling in love with this giant 30-year-old man <laughs> while on vacation is like, oh, that's cute. And it's like, did you all see like May, December, like this year? And like, we're all like, ooh, yeah, that's problematic, which it is. I do not understand how the like crown jewel of queer cinema is a movie about a groomer grooming a young teenage boy. And to this day, everyone's like, that one, that one's beautiful. I, Dude, I, I so fuck Army Hammer for bigger reasons, but I wanted to bring this up while it comes up. Sorry, Eva well, Lucy, Especially with the long and tangibly violent history of people claiming that gay men are pedophiles. In right, order yeah. To like, it's ridiculous. I've never seen Call Me By Your Name. I don't think I ever will see it, even though I am actually, like, a huge Army Hammer fan, just, like, in terms of his acting. Um, I'm except a fan for, for the other the stuff. So busted in Death on the Nile, it is like d just watch it for that reason because like he's so clearly in the throes of real life divorce <laughs> what a cursed movie like, in terms so of bad. every can we, can actor we do death in the that Nile movie too? here's the thing yeah, about that we, about death on the nile that. is every actor in that movie basically seems to have some sort of problematic situation Everyone's going on and so somehow bad. it launched a trilogy that was the beginning of what has turned into a that whole was the trilogy second one. of these movies no, no, the that was the second one. Orion, Orion on Express was or, or the Murder Ori on the Express. The so they're Express. doing their own Murder knives out. We should dive into writing this sequel. I want to clarify yes. that was for a bit earlier. I am I uh, am tremendously empathetic to uh, the plight of those fate uh, dealing with misogyny and the patriarchy, including myself, because yeah. it affects all of us. This cool. also sounds like a bit because I'm trying to be silly on my podcast, but. Uh, I didn't want to sound this is how Sam and I are different. Is I, like I said, I have to clarify it within five seconds, and Sam has like a five minute window where then five minutes later it always it's like. By the way, <laughs> I'm not bad. Um, but yeah, so we got to write a sequel. I think our agent uh, Jimmy Telgado is coming by in like a half hour. He's coming by. And he's coming out pretty soon. Here's my theory, Sam. I think if we follow Eva Lucy's train of thought of talking about misogyny further, that will help <laughs> us write the sequel. I think the only way out is through. Well, okay. So, well, I guess a good, a easy way to do that would be to make uh, a radical idea. What if American Psycho 2 was about a woman? That'd be cool. Well, it turns out that that already exists starring Mila Kunis. <laughs> okay. What? What? It's like one of those things that nobody ever talks about because it's crazy. And I, I, I haven't seen it. So like, but um, I went through a phase in high school where I was obsessed with American Psycho, but I never actually watched it. I just like read a bunch of shit about it, forgot about it, came back and actually watched it when I was like 25 or something. And um, I like read like the whole synopsis. And apparently it's about like a girl who falls in love with her professor, which I don't think really translates to the vibe of American Psycho. Like, it's just like, oh freaking crazy somebody's crazy like there's no um well so so the thing with american psycho is i think it is like very intuitive to make a sequel about like a woman right uh with a, with a similar uh like tone to the original american psycho but pulling out new and interesting themes which it doesn't seem like the the original sequel uh 
even attempted to do. Um, so I think, okay, so this is going to sound like I'm getting off track again, but I think that like, we got to think about what are, what are the, what are the zeitgeist currents right now? Right. That we, that we can bring in to make something that's like fucked up and interesting and satirical about gender. And my biggest thoughts are like, okay, it's got to be like a Caroline Calloway, like Dasha type of girl, right? Who can get away with anything. Although Dasha got away with much. Well, (laughs) she lost the one job she had. It's like a period of time where like Caroline Calloway was just like on the internet, just like getting away with whatever the fuck she wanted. And she could probably get away with murder. And so, and it's interesting because these women also kind of scam other women. Like they're not even scamming men. And I think like, Oh, scam men like, like uh, get paid for sex, like whatever. Like that's fine. Like I, I don't care. But like I don't think that that's an interesting thing to make a movie about. Yeah. Too many movies are already about that. But like, what if it's like, girl on girl violence, like on the Lower East Side. Like I think it needs to be messy, bitch. Like, dime square, lambasting. Like, so it's it's like still obsessed with skincare still obsessed with aesthetics still obsessed with a lot of the same uh like outward things that patrick bateman is obsessed with but like the content is a little bit different because it's about i think maybe like we could do a really good twist on like the good for her which is like the female equivalent of like he's just like me for real mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, i like this. i like the dime square thing because you could like do a whole sequence where they do that intense skincare routine and then like put on like the most busted outfit ever on purpose like right and imagine how funny it would be to like to lambast like a tiktok get ready with me like with that like type of outfit you know yeah Mm -hmm. yeah in fact we kind of have lambasted this on our own tiktok in our (laughs) famous video that everyone should check out a day in the life of a tiktoker in which we (laughs) not a tiktoker of a podcaster in which we follow sam's night from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. where he only visited Taco Bell Cantina bars um, to get wasted with Baja Blasts. Check it out. Like Pretty good video. Plug- wow, we're plugging TikToks on the show now. This is Welcome this to 2024. Okay, so American Psycho 2, it has been pitched that we will set it in Dime Square. Uh, can someone explain what that is for uh, the humans that listen to this show? Um. Uh, do you want me to? I just said, so- I mean, yeah, you're someone. Either you or Sam. Sh- Sam, I, either of you, because I only knew what Dime Square was because okay. Sam said it to me the first time. I had not heard so of it I until Sam said the break. And then I think Sam knows more of the lore because I don't actually know that much about the lore. Do you know about the bis- lore, Sam? I know about specific details that would fall under the umbrella that are that i know because they're funny it was funny drama on like twitter and instagram for a right, year right okay uh, so but i don't know if that's well yeah go ahead and we'll see where it takes us we'll work we'll work it out okay so dime square is a neighborhood uh quote-unquote neighborhood it's like in like two bridges like chinatown uh in like lower manhattan um and it uh there's a, like a restaurant there called dimes um and so people started calling it dime square i think is the backstory to that and um it's gained notoriety as like kind of a space for like the dirt bag left um and like you know the the podcasters that like really took off during the pandemic um like uh 
the Red Scare girls and like the like come town people or whatever. And um, actually, my first night in New York, I went to Dine Square with my friends and I went to Clandestino and I was talking to some editor of some magazine and I was like, it's my first night in New York. And he was like, well, welcome to the city and welcome to the coolest place in the city. And I was like, oh, why is it the coolest place in the city? And he gave me the blankest stare. Like, I was like, and he was like, because like, we're all here, like, because like, it's cool. And I was like, how do you, how do you have a writing job? Like, hey. <laughs> and then I like turned around and like Alex Delaney from fucking Bon Appetit is there the one who got canceled for having the confederate cake so like yeah it just has like this vibe of like people say it's like very pretentious um people talk about it a lot on twitter people who like don't go out don't talk about it a lot on twitter is what i kind of think <laughs> of it because like i don't know i go to dime square all the time by the way and like i have friends that live in dime square and um yeah, it's really not that big of a deal. I do. I actually personally really like going there because it's like everyone is always just kind of like hanging out and it's like a scene. But it's like I don't know anybody. It's just like a vibe. Like I take my I took my mom to Clandestino. I took her to I took her to Cla I took her to uh like Crocod no what is it Lee Dive. I took her there the other week because I know she likes a fun time. <laughs> so no, I, I mean like it's funny. It's like because I feel like. It's like that area was called, yeah, like Chinatown and Two Bridges, like, or like, you know, it was called downtown. And then yeah. the pandemic happened. And then my understanding of the narrative was like, people started people there and like not caring about the pandemic. Yeah. They would hang out in front of Dimes, the restaurant, and then go like do ketamine in apartments and have like mask off parties. And it's sort of, but it was also around the time, like the political analysis of it. And this is all like conversations from two years ago. Like, I feel like nobody, like nobody normal ever talks about this, but I feel like really nobody cares about the shit now. And it's just like, yeah, there's rich kids in New York. And Dodd Square is kind of bearable now because. Yes. Well, yeah, they shot themselves over. in the foot because there were all these leftist, quote unquote, leftist podcasters who were really hyped for the Bernie train in 2020. Oh and then that didn't pan out uh and then they a bunch of them like most notably red scare went full reactionary yeah. and went from being the far left communist to like to have yeah, like, far right moment over is like fucking bernie sanders like yeah i have beef with brad trammell who is like also like one of those people like because he was like so like crazy about bernie and i was like you know that you're not an actual like revolutionary don't you and he like lost his shit on me and called me like an, an elizabeth warren stan and i was like <laughs> <clears throat> i was like um no <laughs> um uh yeah See, I first heard about Dime Square from Sam, oh. who was talking about all of this, and I heard the term Catholic, which means traditionally Catholic. And I was like, what are you talking about? And what was what was funny <laughs> about all of this? And you can Google about Tradcap to find out more about that craziness. Um, he Sam starts telling me about this world, and as I Google, I think, who's the author? His name's Crumps. <laughs> Who's the guy yeah, who wrote Crumbs. the article? Crumps. I like the idea that Eva Lucy was talking to Crumps that night. That he was the one that's like, 
Good thing you're here. No, um, he but, didn't um, have a writing job. He didn't have a job. That's why he had to quit. <laughs> He's gone now. It was right around the time that this article came out, which is I'd also say the time that Dime Square died because it like once it's like written about in that way, like it's kind of already over. But Sam's sending me that article, and slowly I realized that this thing Sam's talking about are all of these film industry people that I've worked with for like four years, which basically means I was Dime Square adjacent this whole time without even knowing what the fuck it was. Yeah, it was a bunch like, of people we went to college their... with. That's the most legit thing, Ben. Like, I feel like- Yeah, once... that's his goal I mean, it wasn't even legit. That. It's trying like, to act like it's off the no, I, Well, I want to tell his story. I want to tell his story though, which is that how the only major memory I have of being at the restaurant Dimes which makes it very clear that I was not cool enough to be a part of this, <laughs> was that I worked on a movie for one of the bigger directors to exist in that scene. I won't say his name just because I don't want to. Um, we all know. He was making a documentary where we were interviewing a guy who is addicted to crack cocaine. Um, and I thought this pro documentary was very problematic. I was not a big fan of the directing and interview style that was going on. And I was the second camera. And at some point during this film shoot, the interviewee stopped talking to the director in turn. And he was like, I need to talk to Max because he has kind eyes. Aww. And all of you have evil eyes. <laughs> and <No>. so <laughs> that's the start of my day. And then that night they invite me to come out and uh, go two dimes. And while I was there and I was outside another fairly notable director, I wish I could name them, but I just, it would be bad for me too. Turned and looked at me while I was outside, just trying to talk to him about movies, trying to nerd out about what was in theaters. And he was like, you need to get out of here. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, he's like, I sense this goodness in you. Like you don't want to hurt people. He's like, I just don't think this is this place for you. <laughs> you meant the restaurant? And I literally got in an Uber. Yes. <laughs> I literally got in an Uber like 10 minutes later because it was so grim and weird. And uh, Oh, my God. That was my one time at the Dimes restaurant. So, yeah, it's all to say that I was not really cool enough to, like, be in the scene. I just, no, like, I, it was I, weird. Yeah. Not that you weren't cool. I think that they said it you know flat out like you're just like a good person and it wasn't a good person vibe i can't look they I, they salt I, burned I, you I they could tell you were poor you could you could go they did salt burn me. without being warded off uh by people telling yeah, you yeah you can go i mean it's where it's a it's a it's on google maps now it's a tourist attraction it's yeah, a like, it's a place for girlies from ohio who are visiting new york to go hang out no if i go i was no. going there when i was in new york it's like again it is where the bars are for if you want to go to a certain kind of bar like yeah 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 but it's just, it's uh, just like old reliable at this point like it's not even it's, you know. it's yeah it's kind of like Times square it's kind of it's it, funny how things work indeed. like and now Times square is kind of dime square post panty um yeah. but i don't know look my new york days are behind me you know i'm committed to that small town life now just I focusing just, on I, my craft i do want to offer a caveat to the concept that i offered which oh is, yeah yeah which is that i like i feel like from a writing perspective and it in order to like more organically tap into the zeitgeist and also like work harder <laughs> at it right is that it shouldn't it, it should be something like analogous to dime square but it shouldn't be like exactly dime square yeah so, 
you know, like um, what's called like Penny Alley. <laughs> but but like I mean, it could also be like in the West Village or something, you know, like. But but like, the zeitgeist, the concerns, they I still like exist, the... right? I think we spent an hour talking about which part of Manhattan will set this movie in. Well, well, but it's like it's like what type of like what type of person is this? Like Patrick Bateman went to Yale. Like, does this person did this person go to Vassar or Wesleyan? Like, to kind of like get a little bit more quirky, or are we staying in the Ivy League zone? Oh wait, was is Wesleyan one of the schools where I would have been like more successful if I went there? Because I almost went there. Definitely. Yes. Fuck, yeah. I wish I went debt. in more debt. Yeah, yeah, that's why, also why do you think I didn't go? Also, they just never got back to me. Uh, Damn, I got waitlisted. Didn't even I didn't even get rejected. It's just books. Anyway, um, well, we could, I mean, maybe, like, if it's Dime Square, I feel like we almost go a completely different direction, which is, like, they, I mean, maybe it's a podcaster. Maybe they went to Harvard. They were, like, writing for the Harvard Lampoon or something kind of thing, you know, but like they were always, they thought they were a little too edgy for that. They thought that was like, they don't, they don't want to just go to SNL. They want to, they want to do their own thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dime Square feels like a good. Like, I think she's got to have like more of a straight job. Um, like, Dude. like, I think it would be fun to kind of poke at like the big, like big city dreams kind of uh like early 2000s um rom-com character a little bit bring it bring that in you know like maybe she yeah that conde or something and she's like but like her scene is you know more of a, like a social scene yeah um what if she's like a rich kid yeah who comes from like old money rich kid but comes yes. from like the midwest and like Went to like the best school you could go to in the Midwest, whatever that is, uh, well, but not I, in not in Chicago. And developed a complex during. Right? What do you mean? Like is from the Midwest, but then like went to an elite East Coast school and like developed like a huge inferiority complex. Because yeah. And they move to New York and they find out about Penny Alley and they're like, <laughs> they see it on TikTok and they're like, I want to be one of the Penny Alley girlies. Like I want to like you know, like so many NYU students and she's like, I'm going to do this. And then so we work the American psycho element into it. Now question is Patrick Bateman back. Do we bring back bail? Is this set in the modern day? Is it a legacy sequel? Is he passing on the torch to a new generation who can lead our next franchise forward? So if uh, it was going to be that, then I have another idea for which people really liked on Twitter. My reply guys, at least you pitched this on Twitter. I pitched a sequel on Twitter where uh, the guy who plays Dennis from It's Always Sunny <laughs> is in Glenn, it too. Uh, Glenn Howerton. Uh-huh. And he's like the Patrick Bateman of like Philadelphia or like a Midwestern city or like LA or something. Like he's a, he's a different, he's the same guy, different city, right? Philadelphian psycho. <laughs> the Philadelphia psycho. Probably like LA. I think I would put it in LA because it's always really fun to play LA versus New York, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, he's the LA Patrick Bateman and, and um, Patrick Bateman is there on like a fucking business trip and these two psychos meet and like, they sense each other's vibes and then like they're like i fucking hate you like they're yeah you won right and so then they have like then they have this you know battle of wits that that is uh it's 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 almost like um 
it, it's like if uh wily e. coyote and elmer fudd were like fighting each other like there's no like roadrunner you know um, i have an idea jumping off that what if that all happened like 10 years ago off screen our protagonist for this film is this girly who wants to be part of penny alley and she somehow through some incident gets caught up between them and she's like sort of a fish out of like an up-and-coming american psycho caught up in the war between the two greatest psychos america's ever seen and she's like uh being pushed and pulled in two directions like new york or la new york which i think we can all relate to you know as coastal elites in the biz so yeah i mean maybe it's like she kind of like maybe they both think of her as like a chloe seven u character and um we're able to like pull out like this really organic like because one of the things about american psycho that's really cool is like it's very organic and intuitive to understand like why patrick is the way he is like there's not a lot of backstory right like you get like bits and pieces of, of like this person but you know because he is like this very fragmented and um like sort of generic person especially to the people around him he just kind of like whoops into existence and so i feel like we need to carry that vibe through to like keep the original tone so it's like i like the idea of like these two men who are very you know who are two different kind of iterations of patrick bateman sort of pulling in this young woman into the fold and maybe them not realizing that she is also like crazy and dangerous yeah what if that's like the opening scene of the film is it's like you open it with like christian bale you know now 30 30 odd years later like you reintroduce like some classic shots but like now he's old and like there's someone on a phone and you're like wow it's like the what we knew but different and newer and then yeah he like tries to american psycho her he's like gonna kill her but then she like cuts his penis off and then he's like ah my penis i'm i'm perfect and then uh maybe he's indebted to her because she's always trying to give it he wants it back he wants to get that thing glued back on and she's like, no, no, not until you make me if... the American. I, I I think we gotta leave the penis I I th- intact till think... at least the climax. I think I. It's the MacGuffin. Yeah, I mean that's true. So a MacGuffin it here. Let me. I th- I think you guys don't like it because you don't know what a MacGuffin is yet. Uh, it's okay. I think uh, we're losing some of the of the zeitgeist detention by doing that. I think it should focus on like maybe. You know, maybe she's becoming some kind of, like, influencer or whatever, and it's, like, distracting her from her job, and she's, like, meant to be, like, his secretary or whatever. Um, and, like... What if... She's getting, like, like, creative energy from, like, her being kind of, like, obsessed with him. Yeah. Like, she, like, it kind of plays, like, she doesn't know, like, that she's in danger, but, like, the whole time she's becoming, like obsessive enough to kill him what is she's doing like uh tiktok videos where it's like look at how silly my boss is he just watches tv and she's just like filming him and then like <laughs> he, like they go viral and he's like what the f-? like he gets so mad at her and then like maybe he likes it though maybe because he like because patrick bateman at this point is older and like as nice as that is you know to be an old rich like super rich guy 
he is probably freaking out over like he's probably just now starting to get wrinkles at like 60 or whatever Mid-life and he's like patrick bateman yeah and he's freaking out and at then 60 just like Mid-life. yeah well i guess he's he was only like 26 in the movie which i was like fuck it's true because last time i watched it i was much younger than that i was like 20... look at that old guy 27 and he's 26 Sorry. in the book well we're all are we're all older than that now i think right what if yeah. what if a... he's the ceo of his company of whatever they do and there's another company the glenn howerton company the one based in la is trying to acquire them talk about a merger and acquisition oh yeah. hell yeah this is the and he's also merger. an american psycho so he's trying to there's like two parallel paths here where he's trying to fight the acquisition but at the same time he's trying he's got to american psycho more people He's trying to use his American psychoing to stop the acquisition, but little does he know the other CEO is also America, American psychoing. So they keep losing executives because both companies keep having all these murders. But maybe the twist is it's all told from the perspective of his Chloe Sevigny um, receptionist. But actually, he thought the other CEO, he thought Glenn Howerton was American psychoing, and it was her all along. She's trying to take down the company from the inside. Could that be in like a Marxist way? I think that that's interesting, but we have to remember that Patrick doesn't actually care about that shit. Right. But maybe he does care. What's his? What if? Could we elaborate on his relationship with his father in this film? I I really think that it needs. Like okay, I think we scrapped Glenn Howerton. I think that the that the the Bugs Bunny episode would be very very funny, but I think it's like a little bit too different from like what we've got like already. I feel like it needs like I I think one of the things that we said was really interesting about the original movie is that there is this moment where he's like treated like a person by the Chloe Sevigny character, and like that's like where his kind of vulnerability lies. And so I think that the that the sequel should probably like focus on on that dynamic and extend upon it, right? And like just really like channel that. And so it's like, yeah, maybe she's trying to like take him down, but it's like it's not about the company, it's about like humiliating him, you know, like on a really fundamental level. And he's like, Why do you why do you want to humiliate me like this? And it's like she's like, I'm just, I'm just a girl. Like I just wanna humiliate you. Like I just wanna like fuck up your life, you know? Yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. And he's kind of into it. Oh, he's into it. Um, what if I think that? Well, I'm thinking like, in American Psycho one, is it? Is there a scene where am I get? Am I getting mixed up with something else I watched at the same time? Uh, is there a pregnancy scene in it? Or I'm getting that mixed up with something else. Anyway, I was thinking in American Psycho one, were he to get like his character at that time, were he to get someone pregnant, you know, he'd be a total sociopath about it. Oh, but I, you'd be like, you'd like get an abortion. I don't care. I'm leaving. Uh, you know, like no, not that. Well, whatever. Uh, but I would wonder if now at this phase of his life, would he start to be more interested in a narcissist, an very an heir, a, a legacy, something like that? And I'm not interested in doing another like legacy sequel. Where, like he trains his plucky daughter to be the next American Psycho. But could that be a plot point where he sleeps with this girl who's trying to fuck with him? Uh, and she does get pregnant, or, d- or she, is she oh, or isn't she? Yeah. yeah, we don't know, and, like, he's got to try to get a pregnancy. He's trying to sneak a pregnancy test, like, swirl it around in the toilet. 
Uh, sounds but, pretty Elmer Fuddy again. Sounds, <laughs> look, I know what I can write. Back I, to the I, Looney Tunes. I just, I know who I am, and I know what I bring to the table. I, I think that's like we have nine minutes. Interesting, and I think it would be like a really good way to like once again kind of like fuck with like the good for her narrative and like, um, kind of like make you question like you know is she is she doing this because she hates men or in in like sort of like a like a feminist like revenge way or is she doing this because she just truly like wants to fuck with him um and like has a more like almost like nihilistic uh perspective um what if what if she was masquerading in some way as doing it for like broadly social justice implications for like a girl bot like good for her like i hate men kind of thing and by the end it becomes very clear either through patrick's doing or what or through her own admission or whatever that she is just a psycho like him like he had no political goals when he was and, being an american psycho you know and, and 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 more precisely she's a psycho like him because she is a rich white woman who has been able to get away with everything her whole life and everyone just thinks that she's cute and everyone just thinks that like you know you know, it's not that serious. Um, and like everyone, yeah, he clocks that underestimates her in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always liked the guy of like a manic pixie dream girl. Who's actually Patrick Bateman, you know, like a guy who's like trapped, like, you know, sort of ensnared by some like horrible person because they appear to be, you know, like Zoe Deschanel and like is are consistently underestimated. Um like under the air of like quirkiness. Yeah. But like Manic Pixie Bateman. Yeah. But like within that, like there's there's nothing. There's no one. It's just like darkness. <laughs> I'm into it. Five hundred days of psycho. There you go. Like What's it. her name? I feel like I'd name her like Olive or like a sort of like a reference to like Amelie or something. Let's do it. For anyone listening to this Amelie's who good. Uh, is an aspiring screenwriter, the biggest lesson I can give you is to spend about that much time trying to think of names for your characters. Because a lot of people think that screenwriting is coming up with names, <laughs> and it's not. You know who spends a lot of time coming up with the names for her characters? JK, JK Rowling. You knew... You know who's got the worst name? I don't think spends enough time. No, I she, don't think she spends enough time. You could tell a lot of thought up. went into it. No, it's just I don't think she possesses good thoughts. She named the, the like the only black character like Kingsley Shacklebolt. Kingsley Shacklebolt, everyone's favorite character. She's... That's what I'm saying. I don't think she spent too much time on that. I think that was she uh, was like this first draft. Look, if she was doing the name generator approach, she would have Googled, like, common Chinese name and gotten a common Chinese name. But instead, she was, like, probably put a lot of thought into it. Like, what's the most Chinese name I could come up with? And came up with Cho Chang. Two Korean and... last names. <laughs> my, my gut is that she is so easily racist that it came to her naturally, that it didn't take a lot of she thought like, to get oh, that racist Cho that Chang. quick. Her... <laughs> The neural pathways to come up with racist names were like well worn into her yeah. brain. Like she had, I think it was the racism, but like Severus Snape isn't like an obvious racist name. Like she brainstormed that one. 
Uh, I don't know. Look, yeah. well, anyway, my point yeah. still stands. Don't spend too much time writing names because most people do that and they don't come up with great ideas like Manic Pixie Dream Psycho in Penny Alley Penny with Alley? Glenn Howerton, who is not an American psycho, but it's seat. Oh, what? so are we casting Glenn Howerton instead of Patrick Bateman? Well, we're going to save a lot of money. No, we're we're casting. We're still casting Christian Bale, but oh, we're yeah. saving a lot of money by using by sending in Dime Square because no one famous. We can cast real Dime Square people who are just really cheap because uh-huh. they're not actually famous or successful. Uh-huh. And then um, they just get their money from their parents' uh, pizza chains. <laughs> and, uh... my, here's my vision, right? So we have <laughs> we have the sort of setup where it's like some nods to early 2000s rom-coms girl in the city right she lives in the coolest area of town she has the hippest clothes she goes to the hippest spots everything's all taken care of she just uh and she has like a job uh for the sake of you know keeping up appearances and having something to do but it's like not that serious right and like her dad got her a job at like this finance firm and she ends up meeting Patrick Bateman and the whole time we're like in her mind and we're seeing like her delusional take on life. And so it's this interesting like flip where it's like we're seeing Patrick Bateman through someone else's eyes and they're equally as fucking insane as he is. And I think there would be like a lot of really fun stuff to do in there. And then like he starts he asks her out because she's younger and he thinks that she's like fresh meat and we're all like oh no he's gonna kill her and then it like turns into like this like sick twisted tale of like obsession and psychopathy where like they're both so like they're both fronting so hard with their respective like ideas of like gender and wealth and success that like neither of them can tell that they're like trying to kill each other yeah and we can have dueling monologues they're both yeah. uh we're, we're switching between their perspectives this whole time yeah uh that's great i love that i so what do we think her goal so her goal is to become it like is her goal to kill him what if he tells her like... on their date what if he's like tries to do the thing that he does in the first movie where he like he does the thing where he's like, oh, yeah, I've killed all these people. Like, he'll do the thing where he says it with a straight face to see, <laughs> to watch how he gets away with it. And what if he does that move again? He's like, I've been killed. Like, I am the biggest serial killer in New York City. I have confessed my crimes dozens of times and get away with it every time. And she's the first person in his life that's like clocks it. And she's like, holy shit. Like, that's so cool. I believe you. I'm going to take your like, she's like, I'm going to be I'm going to take your title. She wants to salt burn his title as the American Psycho. So maybe, yeah, maybe she says it's really cool and he doesn't like that and that freaks him out and he, like, boots her. And so, like, the rest of the movie is her, like, figuring out, like, how to fuck with him. Yeah. And, yeah, and he's like, he's like, you'll never be able to kill as many people as I do. And she's like, I only need to kill one. If I kill you, I'm the top dog. She's like, like, bet (laughs) <laughs> bang bang and then jared leto comes back and uh-huh. he's like how and jared leto's like it's the power of the pedophile like, ghost i'm in every movie now for some reason you have to put me in every sequel for because i have dirt on executives or something so i think i think we're at a spot where we're ready to 
to pitch this to Jimmy very soon. I think we've just got to figure out, like, basically what is her goal? If her goal, like, why does she want to fuck with him? Because her um, dad in the she, beginning was like, you'll him? never amount to anything. Her dad is like the founder of like an extremely successful like company that makes like washers or some sort of like component that no one gives a shit about. But he's got a Wikipedia page. He'll go down as like the wealth, the wealthiest man in the Midwest of America. And he says to her when she's like home from college and like is about to move to New York, he's like, you'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything. You'll die, and they'll forget about you. And she's like, "Not on, Dad," because later on she realizes she's going to be the next American psycho. So I like that as like a red herring sort of motivation, but I think that by the end we should realize that it's literally just because she's bored and because rich people like have lower empathy because they can get away with like there's just nothing that they can't do, you know, and so like. She is just, she's just bored. And like, that is like the most exciting thing that she's ever come into contact with is the idea of like usurping this guy who is just like the ultimate, you know, bourgeois, like white guy. That could be the end of the movie is she succeeds. She kills him somehow that she, like through... Nothing. All the, yeah, all these events lead to her becoming the CEO. She she gets his position. She's in charge of the company. She's just in a bigger office, even more bored. Yeah. And it's like, shit, like, careful what you wish for. If you kill your boss, CEO, you might not have anything else to live for. Anymore. Right. Yeah. Because life would at that level is be boring. to the Patrick Bateman monologue at the end of the, the, you know, the original story where he's like, you know, I don't hope for a better world for anyone, like it sucks and she's okay this fucking deal <laughs> this is a really interesting idea because i think eva lucy you nailed like uh, like that is his motivation american psycho i guess uh and that's what makes it such an interesting piece is that it is it's like yeah he's doing it because he's bored and because he can yeah. which max i'd want to ask you about your thoughts on this because you're more than me you're such a structure head like, how does that work so well in American Psycho? Because that's not a real goal, is it? Like, what is his actual goal in a screenwriting sense? Um, his goal is to get away with it. His, but then his goal, his goal is, oh, and then is it shifts. not get caught. Right, and so then would you right. say, it's almost like at the midpoint, it becomes clear that he does get away with it, and it's sort of a, he thinks he got what he want, but the heavy price is that actually he does want to get caught, and then the end, he still doesn't? Like, it's about all- at the midpoint... We don't even know if what, like, we don't even know if the murders are real in American Psycho. And that's another thing that makes it such a, like, it really throws you for a loop. You got to watch it a couple times. And, like, I still don't, like, I, I have no definitive answer on whether Patrick really did that shit or not. Like, and I'm, I'm not actually even interested in figuring that out because I think that it's just interesting in and of itself. Well, I think they used prop blood and it was just Christian Bale pretending. But... Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, but it's like, you can't... Bang the drum, bang the drum. <laughs> Sorry. That was... But it's like, you can't... Oh, oh, oh. And so, that's my... Yeah, I mean, I think that is a good question for this movie as well, because it's like, what is her goal structurally if she's, like, not also kind of killing other people and, like, kind of breaking or, like, you know, cutting your teeth on the, on the killing game? Um... 
I think it's a similar thing where, because I think the gen- part of the genius of American Psycho is it trick it plays into conventions by tricking you as an audience member into being like, it's like heist film logic, where like, yes, the Ocean's Eleven team is doing something illegal. I mean, who cares about laws and that kind of thing, but whatever. They're doing something illegal. Theoretically, you shouldn't cheer for them, but you do because the, because the work, films like that have made us think, Oh, that's our hero. They have a goal. We just tend to root for people with a goal. So when his goal is to not get caught, we start getting caught up in like, we kind of don't want him to get caught. We kind of like like watching him get away with it. It feels, and so I think we can tap into a similar thing where we know she's doing something wrong, but media has conditioned us so much to be like, but yeah, she should replace Patrick Bateman. She's our Ana de Armas, of course. Like she's the like. Yeah. What if the first kill we see her commit is like a, like it plays on the trope of like a sort of rape revenge scene, you know, it is, it's like a more justified kill and it's like sort of setting this up to be like a girl boss, like, you know, the the tropes in, you know, for the past 40 years or whatever of that sort of thing, it's like, you think the guy's going to do something horrible and then she gets him and you're like, like we sort of lure our audience in with like, oh yeah. But then, like, it keeps going, and the kills get progressively murkier until it's, like, she has her own version of killing the homeless guy, where it's, yeah. like, oh, that's just, like, indefensible. I mean, that's precisely what happens in Titan, Um, and I wrote an article about that. Love Titan. Breaking down that production. Love that movie. I love Titan. That's literally what happens with Alexia, right? Like, there's this moment where this guy comes to the car, and he's, like, I'm so into you. Like, I'm a huge fan, and she kills him. And... um yeah she kills him and it's like oh is this like a feminist like rape right moment and then over the next like 20 minutes or so of the movie it becomes very clear that alexia is just straight up a psychopath who just wants to cause as much damage as possible and is spiraling out of control um and you know the interesting thing about Titan is that it offers redemption at the end which is i think very different from like what our angle is um, yeah yeah what- what if our movie opens, she's like, she's the new assistant. She's the new Chloe Sevigny. And I actually he's having a meeting. Yeah, I think she should have like a similar job to Patrick Bateman where she's like. Okay. She's high up at the company. Yeah. 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 I like that. But... She works in finance. Like she's on, she's somewhat on his level. Uh, Cause like he is like me. She's like, probably like comes from, you know, like an educated background, but like has to work as a secretary because he needs money. Yeah. Yeah. So she's she's higher up, and I'm thinking that like we open the movie with he. I mean, there's a few other scenes, but like an early event is he has some sort of meeting with a different young woman who we can tell he's going to American Psycho, her. <clears throat> and she happens to come into the room at some point in this meeting, and we trick the audience into thinking this is her hero moment. She, where she recognizes something bad's going to go down between this guy and this girl. Yeah. So then when he goes to dinner that night, she's following that. And we're on the hero's journey. We're like, oh my God, she's going to stop an American Psycho. He brings her home. She shows up at his house, somehow gets the girl to leave. And then when she's taking the girl home, she goes and kills the girl. And that's our intro that's to like, good. she's the fucking American that Psycho. Is... And she's rude. Maybe she keeps stealing his American Psycho. That's so good. She keeps killing the people he wants to kill. Yeah. And we cast, <laughs> and uh, we cast a real Dime Square starlet. Like that, uh, the girl that was in succession for 10 minutes before she got fired for being anti-vaxxer or whatever. That'd be Dasha? funny. Yeah, that one. Yeah. 
Yeah. That'd be funny. She needs work. She does. Although she's in that new thing with Leah Seydoux. She did a day. I saw. That was funny. Well, that, that sounds like a scary of 61st for sure. You can't pay. Uh, we'll, we'll get, be nice uh, to them. That's, <laughs> those are, to go in like five minutes. Well, it's a good thing. Okay. Our our uh, I'm getting a Zoom call right now from our uh, agent, Jimmy Togato. Hey, guys. It's me, Jimmy Togato. Hey, Jimmy. What's up, guys? I'd uh, like to introduce you to our friend, Eva Lucy. She's brought a lot to the table. Hey, Jimmy. Um, honestly. Nice. Probably going to be another one of our episodes, Jimmy, where people say, "Why don't you have this guest on all the time?" It was a lot more of an intelligent episode. Well, I hope we definitely you... haven't heard a lot. I hope you stayed on task and have a full outline for me. I keep bringing these pitches to the studios, and they say that's not a pitch; that's a couple of ideas strewn together. And then they say, "Wait, is this from the guy who told me to kill myself?" And I say, "No, it's not those guys." But uh, well, Jimmy. We've we've got we've got some promising work here, um, and I think it's up to Eva, Eva Lucy. You know, you can you take it away. All right. You got this. Um. Okay. So Jimmy, we are mulling over the possibility of making another American Psycho sequel, an American sequel, if you will. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, and. Sort of righting the wrongs of the, uh, the 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 one that we don't talk about that starred uh, Mila Kunis. The original, right? Yeah, I hate that movie. It's not fun. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. So what we want to do is make a new. Uh... I got one big question. Mm-hmm. One big question. Yeah. Where does it take place? And my one thing I gotta have so, gotta make sure is happening. It's gonna. Does it appear on Google Maps? The location must be on Google Maps so people can find it. It's confusing. I watched The Lord of the Rings. I'm like, where are these places? They're not on the Google Maps. Yeah, they're not. It's really, yeah, was... oversight on the part of Peter Jackson for that. Um, so it's going to be uh, set in New York in like the sort of the downtown scene. Um, I like it. That's on Google Maps. Okay, where in New the York Dime is it? Square. Where's the place? I'm zooming in right yeah, now. Yeah, Dime Square. Oh, so you're gonna call it Dime Square in the Mute movie? Well, Perfect. I was. I, can I see it right here. Well, on a... I just. I'm sorry to step on toes here, Eva Lucy. I value your collaboration, but I think. I think it was an agreement. We're gonna call it Penny Alley. Yeah. What do you think about that, uh, Jimmy? Analogous, but I was. I'm having trouble finding. Is it in Bushwick? It's, no. It's, where is yes, it? it's in Bushwick. Um, don't don't worry it about is it. It's in Bushwick. Okay. Don't worry about it, Jimmy. Perfect. Okay, so Jimmy, have you ever been to New oh, York? Thanks, Sam. So the premise of this movie that we have a uh, a character. She's like very well educated. Uh, she went to like some sort of like northeastern school, but she's actually from the Midwest. She comes from money, um, and she is working in the big city at a finance job. Um, it's her first job out of college. She's just on top of the world. Like she is, she knows the coolest people in New York. Like she, she hangs out with writers and musicians, and you know she. Is- I like it. It's a girl boss picture. It's just like May December. I love that- it. And her social media presence, it, she's just on point, you know, like, she just, everyone envies her. She's very, you know, on top of it. And 
her boss at um, the company that she works at is actually Patrick Bateman. And so she develops an obsession with him because she finds him very interesting and she realizes that he isn't lying when he says that he's a psychopath. So they sort of have like almost like a twisted romance at the beginning, but then it becomes much more about how she kind of is realizes how boring and vapid her life is and how she wants to accomplish something. And so she decides that the greatest thing that she could ever accomplish is actually killing Patrick Bateman and taking his place. And so uh, she starts... Uh, killing people to sort of like get that rush she starts kind of taking victims out from under him and they have this sort of more antagonistic relationship um with like dueling monologues where you can't really tell like what's real and what's fake and like how they actually feel and it ends with her uh being able to kill him and then she realizes that she is once again extremely bored this is such a good pitch, Eva Lucy. And I heard you say earlier that you need to go uh -huh. soon. So I just like to pull you to the side for a second because I know you got to uh -huh. go. Do, wait, I just want to pull you to the do side. Do we need to mute? Should we mute the. Should I mute? Sam, Max, just go over there for a second. Just go over there. I'm, I'm off. Eva Lucy. I'm away. This is. This was a way more thought through pitch than these boys ever bring to me. That's not true. They, they are bottom feeders. I told you over there. I'm trying to build my stable of talent. We've got a nice. We got you a have nice a good enough stable. That's <laughs> it's a good stable. Damn, I told you. It's a very stable stable. E Look, Eva, take take my card. It's Eva, Eva Lucy. Lucy. Get her card. name right, asshole. Eva okay, you're trying. Look who's trying to win points now. Go over there. <laughs> I love what you brought to the table. I'm desperate to get away from these boys. Yeah, you're gonna stay desperate, you right. sick fuck. Fucking Jersey Lots City of scum. suicide <laughs> notes being slid to CEOs. It makes it real hard to network in Those this town. Those allegations were no misconstrued. I've never been to New York. Misconstrued. Eva Lucy, we'll talk later. We'll talk. You have my card. Great work, boys. I'm really happy with all of that work that you put Thank in. Max, I don't believe a word he future. said. He's bullshitting you. I listened yeah, to what sorry, he I said. Was, I wasn't talking that whole time because I was so aghast at what I was hearing. Um... Okay, well, weird way to end the episode. Have a good night, um, Eva Lucy. I guess we sold the pitch. Enjoy your meeting. As a crew. I've got a feeling I'm about to have a meeting, too. Um, this was really fun. All right. What's your Twitter? What should we, Thank you, what do you got to plug? Anything to oh, plug? my Twitter is Tactical Coquette, but it's spelled funny. I don't remember how I spelled it. We'll put it in the episode description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, thank we you will. for everything. We'll see you soon. Right. Have a good meeting. Mwah. All right, we are never, we are fucked, dude. Jimmy Telgado was the last yeah. person in LA that would talk to us. And uh, I know. I have a text from him here that's mentioning a severance package where we owe him money. Oh, like we're going to write for Is severance? That possible? We're going to, like, we'll do the new season of severance. I heard they were having no. trouble nailing the script on the new season because of, like, the creators hate each other. So maybe they'll bring in us. Yeah, that was, uh, that was good. I mean, I like bringing on the smart, good guests um, that bring a lot to the table, but we keep. We, I think we just lost our agent, dude. He's not going Maybe he'll far. be back next he week. He won't get far on foot. Um, he'll be around. But this was a fun one. I good. wish we could say a longer goodbye to Eva Lucy. She, uh, I'm really glad we could talk. American Psycho, Dime Square, um, just lots of good stuff. 
let's play. I'll just say to our audience here listening, especially our regulars, uh, we are now one year into recording episode, or a little over one year into recording this show. We are examining what's working and what's not, much as we do with many sequels. And we're looking, we're potentially exploring taking the show in new directions and uh, new bounds. So we're launching podcast to the survey with this episode. If you go to our link tree, you'll be able to see it, click on it, and let us know what you think of the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, this is Sam signing off. This has been podcast to the sequel, a Carnivision project. Uh, this is my co-host, Max. Max signing off. Uh, have a and, wonderful uh, night. Follow us on socials. Thing. Sam, you got a joke? You got a joke to finish us off with? Finish us off on a high note of a joke? Uh, uh, Tell us a joke. <laughs> Why do the cow... Uh, what what do cows say when they uh, go to the cinema? Movie? They say, I'm going to watch a movie. Bang! Not funny. You didn't do it right. It's funny. Yeah, there you go. Bang! No funny!